Hello, and welcome to another episode of Don't Fuck With The Original with your host, I am Casper. Becky Gremlin here, guys. Here to bring you all things spooky, and because Wednesdays are for podcasts. Heck yes. We hope you enjoyed the intro. I'm sorry. We hope you enjoyed the nice music at the beginning. That was Salem's Secret by Peter Gundry. That is our new intro, guys. We love it. That is that is going to be our theme song. If you want to check it out, he's on YouTube. He's on Spotify. He's a really cool dude. He's got some really cool music out. So you should definitely check out that whole song. Because to be completely honest with you, that whole song is kind of badass. His music is really good too. If you're um, into a lot of meditation, it's uh, absolutely amazing. That's how I discovered him. Absolutely amazing music to meditate to. So we hope you guys enjoyed it. And thank you, Peter, again. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Thank you, For allowing us to use your music. We are such big fans, and we hope you guys become big fans of him as well. So Yes, absolutely. First of all, I want to apologize. I, due to the polar vortex of this wonderful weather of Ohio... And, you know, Midwest weather, we went from polar <laughs> vortex to 60 degrees in five days. So, lovely, lovely stuff, guys. It was literally a wind chill of negative 30 to 60 degrees from in a matter of five days. It was 62 degrees today. <laughs> so, little I'm a little stuffy. I'm a little cruddy. I apologize. I don't mean to be like, <sighs> but it's 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 there. Casper can't breathe. <laughs> Casper's having trouble breathing today. Casper, as they said in our fave Stranger Things, is a mouth breather. <laughs> Funny story, I'm actually Sorry. wearing a bitchin' shirt today with um, our one and only Eleven. With Miss Eleven. Yes. Sorry, I had bitchin'. to throw it out there, Casper. I was love perfect. you. I know you're not a mouth breather in the sense... You're a physical mouth. She's a physical mouth. Right now. She physically can only breathe through her nose and one nostril. <laughs> well, right now I have a little bit of help going on, but um, I have to say that if if Darth Vader may be joining us at some point today. Yes, you guys <clears> because may, may start to hear a ventilator. But we've got <laughs> it covered. We've got, we've got the humidifier plugged in. we got the water. we got the decongestants. <laughs> we're, we're doing it. <laughs> we are solid. We got this. Alright, so we talked about last week how we were going to talk about Ed Lorraine Warren today. <sighs> Makes me really sad because me and me and Becky were both having a lot of trouble finding a lot on the internet from them. Um, There's a lot of speculation and a lot of skepticism surrounding the Warrens. Um, I actually own the book, the book, The Demonologist, and that's where we got a lot of what we are going to be discussing. Um, I just want to say, first of all, if you're a skeptic, if you think the Warrens are a fraud, if you don't believe in demons, it's not even just the Warrens being a fraud. If you don't believe in demons, if you don't believe in ghosts, your opinion matters. We're not going to sit here and we're not going to yell at you or be like, well, if you don't believe this, you know, you, this, this, and that. No, your opinion matters. All we ask right now is when you listen to this podcast, you listen with an open mind and maybe think about it a little more is all we ask. I, even if you listen to it and you still don't believe that's fine, that's your opinion. We are not going to come after you for that. And we would hope and trust that you would in turn give us the same respect. 
Um, me and Becky wholeheartedly, 100% back everything the Warrens have ever done, everything they have ever said. They, to us, are not frauds. This stuff is real. I've had demonic experiences. Becky's had demonic experiences. We both have even had ghost experiences. They're very different. There's different feels to them. And in my own personal opinion, there is no reason the Warrens have for fabricating any of this. Yeah, Ed, you know, described spirits. There were evil spirits are actually inhuman spirits. They're not what we know. Ghosts and spirits that are human are ones of, like, relatives that passed away and things like that. But an inhuman spirit is a demonic presence. It is meant to do nothing but harm. Um, but yeah, going back to what, uh, Casper was saying, guys, it's really crazy. Yeah, I, I found, you know, I, a lot of my information, like she stated, I had to get from the demonologist book, um, a few things from Wikipedia, some other Google searching, um, and then a few interviews that Lorraine and Ed did prior to him passing away that I found on YouTube, um, but unfortunately, most of what I could find when I looked their names up was a lot of skeptics and a lot of people that saying that they were fraudulent in their claims. And I just think to myself, you're entitled to your opinion, but there are a lot of people that have backed their claims. There were a lot of people that witnessed a lot of their um, investigations. There's photographic evidence of their investigations. So, um, you know, and again, Casper and I both have had experiences. So the fact that we both have had things happen to us that absolutely cannot be explained one way or the other, except to be spiritual or demonic in nature, it makes us believers. And I think ones of you that are out there that have had experiences yourselves, you're definitely going to be believers too, because... You've experienced it firsthand. But again, we respect people that are going to be skeptics. We respect people that either don't believe the warrants or just don't believe in any of this in general. We just ask you to show us the same respect. And um, at the very least, just have an open mind. That's the biggest thing I ask of any person is I don't ask you to believe. Just have an open mind at the end of the day. Just don't close your mind off to thinking that none of this is uh, believable or that after we pass on that there's nothing after this world or there's nothing in this world that can't be explained in another way that isn't paranormal. So exactly. We're just happy to bring this topic to you guys. We both love the Warrens. We both have had cases of ours that they've done that are kind of our particular favorites. So we are really excited to do this, but, uh, I guess on a creepier note, we've also had some really... Yeah, let's talk about that. ...fucked <laughs> up shit happen to us in the last week so since first we've been of all, researching this. So. this. This actually started with me... What day was January 31st? Was that last Thursday? Hold well, on, we gotta pull up a calendar, guys. Hold on. This. We're terrible. Last Thursday. Last Thursday, yes. So last Thursday was January 31st. Literally one day after we said that we were gonna do the warrants... Also, I want to say none of this was planned. We never looked up any of this information. Nope. None of this was known. 
Lorraine Warren's birthday was last Thursday on January 31st. Yes, it was. Vera Farmiga actually posted something on Instagram about it, and, um... I had no idea. I had no idea. She said, happy birthday, dear friend, and I screenshotted it and sent it to Becky, and I was like, you'll never guess whose birthday it is today. And she was Chills, like... Chills, guys. Are you kidding me right now? Um, that's just step one in the avalanche of strange quote-unquote coincidences that have been happening over the past week. Um, me and Becky both decided that we were going to take one story from the Warrens that was our favorite, and we were going to basically cover it. I took Annabelle. She took Amityville. I'm going to let her explain to you about this Amityville stuff, because I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie, guys. This morning when she texted me this, I had chills all over my body. Well, I know that uh, before, like, and I'll kind of lead into some of the story and things that happened. Um, but essentially, like, what led me to having interest in Amityville, just like I'm sure most of you, was the Amityville horror. Story. I mean, I think that's what started with most people. You know, I wasn't alive per se when the original movie came out with James Brolin and Margot Kidder, <laughs> but I am old enough to have seen it. Um, so, uh, and, you know, it totally freaked me out. The thought that, you know, there were these people that lived in this house and, all this crazy shit happened to them and they were seeing all this stuff and this priest was attacked and, you know, less than a month later they fled the home and left everything there and prior to them leaving, a a man shot and murdered his whole family. I mean, it was just too, it, it was too crazy to believe that, or too too good to be true, I guess, to, to say that like a story like this was actually real and really happened. So, I mean, I, I had to investigate it. So that's how I learned about the Warrens uh, getting involved with Amityville. Um, so they, the, uh, I'll get into the story here real quick and then we'll just kind of go along with everything else. Um, the uh, Amityville story started at 112 Ocean Avenue. Um, it's a colonial home that was built in 1927. Um, I don't really know much about the house prior to the family moving in, but, um, at one point the family that moved in was the DeFeos. Um, the, uh, patriarch of the family was Ronald DeFeo Sr. And the, the mother's name was Louise. And on the night of November 13th, 1974, this is what brings us into the murders. On that night at 3.15 a.m., in a matter of 15 minutes, using a, uh, basically it was a deer rifle from what we just researched. I mean, so this was, you know, this is a hunting rifle, guys. This is some pretty high-powered ammunition. Um, but at 3.15 in the morning and 15 minutes, Ronald DeFeo Jr. shot and killed all six members of his family. Um, he shot his mother and father, Ronald Sr. and Louise, twice in the back. And then he went into the rooms of his siblings um, and shot them each once in the back as they were laying on their stomachs. Don, who was 18, Allison, who was 13, Mark, who was 12, and John Matthew, who was 9. Um, it is believed that uh, Allison and Louise, at some point after, I guess, forensic evaluation was done by the police, that they were 
at some point awoken during the murders. Um, but what really kind of left me puzzled with this whole thing, and even from the beginning when I found out about it, is that there were really close neighbors. This was a suburban area in Amityville, New York. This is in Long Island. And a clear night, no thunderstorms, and no neighbors heard eight shots from a semi-automatic rifle that's used for deer hunting. All they heard was the dog barking that night. Um, like, you can't tell me that some paranormal forces are at work if the neighbors cannot hear a deer rifle going off. We're talking about a shotgun, guys. basically. You get, you, you're not going to hear a shotgun coming off from the next door. You're going to hear that. Guys. So you can't tell me no paranormal forces were at work. They were masking those sounds. Yeah. It's, it's, I, I, when Casper brought this up, I totally agreed because it was almost as if whatever was in that, and I'll go into this later because Ronald DeFeo apparently had started hearing voices at 3.15 in the morning. So there was something going on in this home leading up to this. And even that night of that wanted this to happen. Um, so apparently the next, that, this was at 3.30 in the morning that he finished. He showered, got rid of the rifle, got rid of the clothing. Um, I think apparently went back to sleep or went to work one or the other after that. Um, I think there was even, I think, I don't know if this is necessarily from his account or witness accounts that he may have even done drugs that day because apparently Ronald DeFeo Jr. was a prior drug user and alcoholic. Um, but at 6.30 that evening, he ran into a bar and said that his whole family had been killed. So at first, his statement was that he had come home and found his whole family murdered and that he believed it was a hired hitman named uh, Louis Fellini. Uh, apparently, Ronald DeFeo Sr. was involved in the mob in some way. Um, and it, Ronald DeFeo Jr.'s uh, statement to the police that this was a mob hit. So, um, basically the whole story fell apart because Louis Fellini had an alibi. The cops found the rifle. So once the whole story fell apart, Ronald DeFeo basically said that once he started, he couldn't stop. He actually didn't even remember. He remembered picking up the rifle, but he had no memory of the actual murders themselves. Um, so once the trial moved forward, um, he stated, uh, to his attorney, and on trial that he had been hearing voices, that there was a demonic presence in that home that was telling him to kill, to kill, to kill, to kill. And uh, this was something else me and Casper discussed, that <coughs> demonic forces prey on the weak. And if he did have a drug and alcohol problem, Ronald DeFeo Jr. would have been a prime target for demonic possession, prime target. And he had even shared with his sister, Dawn, the oldest daughter, that he had been hearing these voices. And apparently, now again, this is according to Ronald, uh, that Dawn herself had been hearing these voices as well. Um, you know, there's a part in The Conjuring. Um, I do want to point out that there are a lot of facts in The Conjuring and The Conjuring 2 that are not true. But... When she, when Becky just said that, that reminded me of... Um, well, I wanted to say, too, same thing with the Amityville Horror Guys, and we'll get into the Lutzes, too. There's some things about that book and movie that are true and some that aren't, so... Right. 
Do you remember there's a scene in The Conjuring where Lorraine says she's beating the mother down Mm -hmm. to go after the child? That's exactly what a demonic force is going to do. If you are actually a strong person and that force wants you badly enough, it's going to beat you down. It's literally going to get you to a weak spot. Just like it did with her. She thought she had a quote-unquote iron deficiency. She was getting beaten by this demonic force because it was trying to get her weak to take over her body. Right. So that actually is very true. Oh, something else from The Conjuring mentioned, too, that I'll bring this up. This wasn't even in my research, guys, but it's funny you bring up The Conjuring. Um, Ronald DeFeo... George Lutz, who later moved into the home after the murders, both described the smell of rotting flesh in the home. If you guys remember from The Conjuring, that is something that the Perone family mentioned. That is also something that Ed mentioned. That is another telltale classic sign of demonic possession or demonic forces at work. Present, I guess I should say not exactly possession, but present is the smell of rotting flesh or rotting meat or putrid sulfur meat. Is sulfur, you, yeah, or sulfur something. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so just a side note there for you guys. Yeah. So um ultimately uh Ronald was found guilty of six counts of second degree murder. He was convicted on November twenty first, nineteen seventy five, and he was sentenced to six concurrent twenty five to life sentences. Um He is still alive to this day. Um, His story has changed over time, which is why I think a lot of people have tried to discount uh, any type of paranormal forces at work with these murders because, um, and again, guys, this could be because he, hey, he don't want to be in jail. I'm sure jail and prison is not a fun place, and I'm sure that any way that he could change his story to get an appeal, you're going to try to do it. All his appeals apparently have been denied, so there's absolutely no way Ronald Ronald DeFeo will Jr. will die in prison. But um, there was one story that he said again. Now I do believe his sister Dawn may have been experiencing the same paranormal experiences, but he said that she actually had a hand in helping him with the murders. But there was no forensic evidence. She would have had gunpowder residue on her hands. There would have been some evidence. Think, you know, it, there was no evidence stating that whatsoever. She was asleep. He shot her in her sleep. Um, there was apparently some evidence found in 2012, which I really couldn't find anything to back this up. There's a uh, documentarian who reported that in a canal behind 112 Ocean Avenue in Amityville, there was another rifle found that matched similar to the same rifle that Ronald DeFeo Jr. used, which this documentarian is saying brings uh, to light that there possibly was a second shooter. You know, that was something that we talked about that we could never understand how he was able to go around in 15 minutes and shoot six people without somebody getting up and running out of the house or trying to leave or, or anything, you know, it almost makes you wonder, did he take care of the parents and somebody else shot the kids? And that's why it was done so quick. So maybe, or could it be that he was under demonic possession? Is that why he couldn't remember because he was possessed? 
that the demon would have made him work that quick and that quiet to have been able to move that fast without nobody hearing him, without no neighbors hearing him. There, There's a lot to go on that, guys. Um, so after this, um, it wasn't more than 13 months after the murders. This is where I bring in the Lutz family. Um, it was on December 19th of 1975 that George and Kathy Lutz moved into 112 Ocean Avenue. Um, with them was three kids. They were Kathy's children from a previous marriage that, uh, George had adopted. Daniel, age nine, Christopher, age seven, Melissa, age five. They also had their family dog. Um, exactly 28 days Later, after multiple instances of paranormal and unexplained activity, on January 14th, 1976, the entire family left. They left all of their belongings behind. They just completely left the house. Um, this is where the book and the subsequent movie, The Amityville Horror, comes in. Um, the book came out, uh, was written by the DeFeos and co-authored by Jay Anson in September of 1977, and then the release of a movie in 1979 after that that I mentioned earlier with Josh Berlin and Margot Kidder as the Lutzes. Um, they're, they're, where my speculation comes in with the Lutzes is that I think that sometimes certain people take artistic license to kind of make something more popular, which we know, we all know that that's been done several times over. We mentioned it even in movies like The Conjuring, The Conjuring 2. A lot of those stories are embellished in a way to obviously make moviegoers more enticed to want to see them. We totally get that. If we wanted the documentary, it would be on the History Channel. If you want it to make millions of dollars, you're going to put it in theaters and you're going to pop a bunch of CGI on it and make people want to see it. So we get that. We totally get that. But, um, you know, there were a few things that, uh, I think the, uh, youngest daughter, Melissa, seeing a pig face in her window, I I'm, I don't know. I'm kind of calling BS on that. Um, the, uh, priest, um, that was actually involved, uh, father, Picario? I'm probably going to butcher this guy's name. I'll have to find it exactly so I don't butcher his name, guys. But um, <laughs> he mentioned there has been speculation. Let me see. Father Pecorero. Sorry, guys. Father Pecorero. You try to pronounce um, that like that. Yeah. Pecorero. <laughs> Hooked on phonics. Um, there is a scene in the movie and in the book about the flies, about him being surrounded by flies. Apparently, uh, apparently Father Pecoraro said that never happened. Um, but he did say that he did hear a distinct voice. He didn't necessarily say if it was paranormal, but he did say that it was unexplained. He did hear a voice say, get out. Very loud, very menacingly. And he did feel a slap on his face that left blisters on his cheek. So that he corroborated, but he distinctly said that the whole situation with the flies coming out of the vents, that never happened. Um, so I do believe that maybe some things were embellished for the book and the movie to make them more enticing, to make them sell better, which totally makes sense. Um, but, you know, George and Kathy Lutz both passed polygraph tests later. Um, you know, even though the co-author said that some things were embellished to make the story more dramatic, as I said, um... One thing really interesting enough that I brought up to Casper that I thought was interesting and I actually remember seeing this documentary at the time was in 2013, there was a documentary called My Amityville Horror and it was centered around Daniel Lutz, Kathy's eldest son. 
He states that he that all of the hauntings, that every single thing that happened in the book and the movie were 100% true and that George himself was involved in the occult and devil worship. And that was part of the reason why he wanted to buy that house because he was enticed by the story of the family being murdered there as part of his occult activity. Um, there was a room, there's this room in the basement that was mentioned in the movie a lot called the red room. It was a room underneath the stairs that was painted red. Um, apparently some people have said that they call BS on anything actually happening in that room, but Daniel specifically says that George used that room for a lot of his, uh, I, I guess seances, seances and 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 uh, invocations conjuring of devil, conjurings and invocations of the devils and demons. So, um, yeah, that that whole story was just crazy. That was really crazy to me. Um, and then here come the Warrens, and um, twenty days exactly after the Lutzes. Well, prior to the Lutzes leaving, they were actually contacted the end of January by a news reporter about the Amityville story. Um, and then the beginning of February, which would have been exactly 20 days after the Lutzes left home is when they came in to investigate. Get this guys. That was February 6th of 1976. That was exactly 34. What would, what did we 43. Say? 43. Sorry. I'm dyslexic. Um, <laughs> 43. Years ago, today, that was not planned, guys. That was not planned. This is one of the instances, the weird "quote unquote" coincidences that happened. I found that out yesterday, guys. Yesterday, that I'm doing this story, and that the day that they investigated the home is the day that I was going to be talking about this. We're talking about the Warrens. Our podcasts are on Wednesdays. What are the odds that February sixth falls on a Wednesday? Yeah. You, it's, I didn't plan this, guys. I you, swear you just, to you, I didn't That's plan. just, that's Guys, weird. if I was this good, <laughs> do you think I'd be doing this? No, I'd probably still be doing this. We would just be in a big Joe Rogan studio right, right now. We'd have a really nice big studio, and there wouldn't be an echo. <laughs> We'd have a big Joe Rogan studio. There'd be no echo. We'd have the Elon Musk claim. We'd have Lorraine Warren yeah, we here. Would, thank you. Get out of my head. I was just getting ready to say that. We would literally have we'd Lorraine, have Lorraine here right Warren now. here. And James Wan. Like, we'd have the money Beer to Farmiga, hook that Patrick up. Wilson. We <laughs> would hook that up, guys. So. No, but real. for real, the fact that the today is February 6th, and that they, not that the murders happened on February 6th. No, the Warrens investigated it. Yeah. On February 6th. Not to mention, by the way, I woke up this morning at 3.30 a.m. Becky said that 3.30 is when the murders were done. Yep. Went to the bathroom and came out and felt compelled to go down my hallway into the living room at 3.30 in the morning. Yeah. Who's compelled to go to their living room at 3.30 in the morning? Please tell me. <laughs> so, I don't know what was there. I don't know what was waiting for me, but I'm something was there. glad you didn't. But my my will to not go was overpowered by my will to sleep. So Right? <laughs> Congestion <laughs> took over and sleep was a must at that point, so... So just a couple really weird coincidences. I have an Annabelle coincidence too, but we'll we'll get to that. Yeah, we'll get to guys, that later. And then we're this will lead into the crazy nightmare I had two nights ago. Um, so on that day, Ed and Lorraine Warren were called in to investigate the home. Um, 
There was a local news reporter, Marvin Scott, that was there with them, along with two other psychic mediums by the name of Alberta Riley and uh, Mary Pescarelli. I think I say that five times faster. I'm getting, why am I getting these names, guys? Um, <laughs> and then uh, along with a professional photographer by the name of Gene Campbell. Um, on that night, apparently shit got real. Um, there was a seance that was done where, uh, Ed basically started having symptoms of a heart attack. Um, I just want to make it noted guys that Ed Warren never had heart problems prior to this. The man was in pretty fair, decent health, no heart problems whatsoever reported, reported no high blood pressure, nothing, nothing. All of a sudden during the seance, he started feeling his heart flutter and felt heart palpitations as if he was going to have a heart attack. And it's been reported that he suffered heart problems throughout his entire life after. Uh, Lorraine has said that this house left led a lasting effect on her and Ed. It really did. She stated in an interview five years ago that you could pay her a billion dollars and she would never step foot back in that home. Um... There, uh, this demonic presence also through the course of that night after the seance, it pushed Ed, um, it levitated Lorraine up off her feet in the ground and then shoved her into a wall. Um, she distinctly felt a demonic presence there. She said she became overwhelmed by the demonic presence, almost in a trance-like state. Um, I think that Ed was actually pushed twice. Um, there were all witnesses to this happening, um, and then the most compelling evidence that night was by uh, the professional photographer, Gene Campbell. He had actually set up a camera on the second floor where the bedrooms were. And this camera got over 200 pictures that night, 200 frames. Nothing was seen in any of those frames except for the very last frame. It has been called the demonic boy picture. There is a little boy peeking out of a bedroom with glowing eyes that are from the flash of the camera. The bedroom that the little boy is peeking out of was the youngest DeFeo boy's bedrooms. It was uh, John, John Matthew, Matthew and Mark's bedroom. Um, guys, if you look at pictures of what John Matthew looked like prior to his death and this little boy... That little boy is John Matthew. Lorraine even believes that that little boy is John Matthew. The same, they have the same part in their hair, guys. It is clearly that little boy. I will be posting the picture of him, that, yeah. that picture, by the way. And I'm that, post it. that will lead me into telling you guys about my nightmare that I had two nights ago. That picture has always affected me. That picture, this story is actually the first thing that led me into discovering the Warrens and who they were. I always knew about Amityville, but then I came up on that picture, and then that's what led me into learning about the Warrens. Um, that picture always has an effect on me because I firmly believe, guys, that picture has been studied. That picture has not been doctored in any way. There is no explanation as to why that little boy is on that picture. No logical explanation anyway, except that they captured John Michael's spirit or John Matthew's spirit rather. Sorry. Um, I had a nightmare that I was in the home I grew up that a very close relative of mine was possessed. And when I tried to go near him, a 
demonic face peeked around a corner and came after me and I woke up. Um, apparently I fell into a deep sleep in a matter of two minutes. I don't fall asleep that easily, guys. <laughs> Not at all. You ask anyone that knows me, I have a lot of chronic pain and health issues. It takes a lot for me to fall asleep. This time I fell asleep like that at the snap of a finger and all that I described in that dream happened in a matter of two minutes. And that dream felt like it lasted 20 minutes. And it was all of two minutes. Um, I, I just, it, I don't know how to explain that dream. I, I've, like, I, I've had paranormal experiences growing up in that home that I grew up in. Um, this male relative uh, that I dreamed about is unfortunately going through a lot of personal issues which makes me even sad because I hope that's not a sign of something but um you know it really affected me and uh I I even it's crazy that I even said Casper had sent me that picture and I said to myself I'm gonna have a nightmare tonight like I know I am I knew that night that I was going to dream about something because that's how much that picture always affects me. That's just how much this case affects me. And I think a lot of it has to do with, and you guys will learn this later on as we do more stories like this, that anything that touches on children being harmed in any way really affects me. I'm not a mother. I don't have children of my own, but I absolutely adore children. And I think that anybody that can harm, bring harm to a child, you're just the sickest of the sick. And, uh, you know, it's highly disturbing that if you Google the names of the DeFeo children, the pictures that the cops took of the crime scene is the first Google photos to pop up is the crime scene photos. This little boy in his little pajamas being shot in the back. And full disclaimer, guys, sorry you have to hear this, but... If you Google it, it, that's what comes up. I, I had to for research, and it was just terrible. I hated it. Um, and just to know that the spirits are, that little boy is still living in that home. You know, there's no cleansing for these spirits if they die a traumatic death like that. They're they're forever in that home. They're, they're you know, um, apparently there, there was a uh, seance done later to try to cleanse the family of the home and the seances were never actually finished they were never allowed to be finished because every time they would happen ed and lorraine specifically though those two were physically and emotionally and mentally attacked um lorraine firmly believes that what is in that home is a demonic presence and she believes that that exact same demonic presence is what possessed Ronald DeFeo that night to kill his entire family. Um, now this sort of goes back to the, um, not necessarily the original 1979 movie, but the 2005 remake that, uh, if some of you, um, remember featured a uh very very shirtless uh ryan reynolds as george lutz um he wasn't through, just shirtless through, uh, no he was very very and he was very uh, very shirtless. and uh you know angry demonically possessed holding the axe no shirt still very sexy in my eyes but i'm i'm sick guys uh it's like you know i know he's possessed and i know he wants to murder his whole family with an axe but um 
But it was a movie. But so he's it, hot. Ryan Reynolds wasn't actually the one doing it. He's got a beard. It's Ryan Reynolds with a beard, guys. Ryan Reynolds with a beard. Good job I'm catching sorry. that one, Blake Lively. Beards. Beards, guys. That's all I'm going to say. I like your Me beard. And beards. <laughs> Me and beards. I like your beard. I want to touch Kesha your beard. Kesha likes beards, too. Um, I like your beard. Them. I want to touch your beard. Uh, so, <laughs> in that movie specifically, it's mentioned that um, a tribe of Indians were slaughtered on that land, and the name John Ketchum is brought up. That he was a, uh, apparently he was a devil worshiper, a cultist, that uh, was part of a group that slaughtered. Uh, specifically in the movie, they say that he lived on that land and sacrificed Indians to the devil. And that's what possessed that home. Um, that's never mentioned by the Warrens, per se. Um it, it, but they do mention this, um, Indian family. They do mention John Ketchum. Um, again, the home wasn't built until 1927. So John Ketchum would have lived during the 1800s. So even if he did slaughter any Indians on that land, it definitely wasn't specifically done in that house because that specific home wasn't built yet. And um, it was the Shinnecock Indians that actually, they were known for that specific area of New York. So they could have very well inhabited that land. Um, There was uh, surveyors that came in. There were no bodies found on that land. There were no Indian shrines or anything like that found. Um, I found very little information on the actual John Ketchum. Um, it said he was born in 1782, died in 1865, that he was a building contractor and a surveyor. Um, and it is said that he did fight and kill many Native Americans during the early 1800s to make way for land to settle for white settlers. Um, but it said that most of the areas that he cleared out were in and around um, the Midwest, mostly around Indiana, which is actually where he lived. Uh, Monroe County near Bloomington is where he lived and I guess died and was buried. So in the movie, it mentions that John Ketchum was buried on the property. If it's this con. John Ketchum that they're mentioning, he was not. He's buried in Indiana, and he was buried in 1865. Um, So, yeah, he was quoted as saying that, you know, he did round up and scalp and kill many Indians, um, but I couldn't find any proof of him specifically doing that to the Shinnecock Indians and doing it in the New York, Long Island area specifically. So a lot of that story was sort of kind of hard to find a lot of information on, too. So, um you never know, guys. I'm sorry. You know, it goes back to how many horror movies and how many paranormal things do we hear started about an old ancient Indian land where, you know, don't go, look, guys, don't go fucking with ancient Indian burial grounds. Don't go fucking with any ancient Indian land where Indians died and were killed. They put spells on that land and shit on that land and just bad juju is going to happen. You know, it's just bound bound to happen um you never know that could have very well at one time during the late 1800s have been an indian burial ground and it could have been a poltergeist like story where the bodies and headstones were moved but then they just started building houses and settlements on there so you never know um 
or it could be, it could lead back a lot to do with, you know, if Daniel Lutz was telling the truth, guys, and not only do you have, you know, you have Indians that died on that land, you have somebody that brutally murdered their family that stated that he was under demonic possession, then you have somebody that moves in there less than a year later after these brutal murders. Mind you guys, it's another thing if I forgot to mention, the exact furniture, the same furniture was there. The bed frames that the boys' bodies were murdered on were still in that home. A lot of that furniture wasn't gone. So, you know, you take all of that into account. And if you believe what Daniel Lutz is saying, his step, his adopted father moves in there and he starts doing occult and devil worship activity. It's like, I wouldn't go back in that house myself. Um, the house now, uh, I guess it went up for sale in 2016. I don't know if it's been bought yet. That's the last thing I found about listings. <laughs> Since the movies and all the hoopla surrounding it, it is no longer listed at 112 Ocean Avenue. The address has been changed. I believe it's like 108 Ocean Avenue. Sorry for giving that out. Now people are going to go flock it. Um, it doesn't, uh, I know the biggest change is it's been repainted and everybody knows those iconic Windows. Windows. Um, those windows have been completely changed. Um, so the house is virtually unrecognizable from what people have seen in the movies. Um, well, why don't they make it worse then? Because if they renovated and changed the house, it's going to piss the spirits off even more. And you know what's funny? Owners, there's been, I think, two or three different owners of the house since the Lutzes left. Actually, at one point, guys... The uh, Lutzes left the deed, and the Warrens were owners of the house for a oh, short yeah, time. Oh, yeah, I do remember that, yeah. Um, but other owners never reported any activity. Or, you know what, maybe they did have activity, and they just didn't want anybody to know. Maybe they didn't want any type of publicity surrounding them like the Lutzes did. I think the Lutzes, I do believe some of their story, but I think maybe a lot of them did want publicity. Yeah. Um... Maybe some of these other families are like, we don't want publicity. Maybe they quietly called in a priest and had the house cleansed. Maybe they were experiencing activity, but they just never wanted to say anything. That could very well be true, guys. I believe a lot of people go through these experiences and they just don't want to talk about it. They've either been brought up in a religious household to not believe in it, in any of it, or they just want to dismiss it altogether. I, I firmly believe that. I think there's a lot of people that have had things happen to them and they just absolutely don't want to believe it for one way or another. Or even for that matter, they don't want to make it public and they don't want to make it known. They don't want anybody knowing about it. They don't know if there's going to be kind of shame or stigma or just even publicity. They don't want good or bad. Owners, you know, why do you think the windows were changed and the house address was changed? They didn't want anybody coming around. They didn't want anybody... They did not want the publicity from this. Um, I think even the city... The entire Amityville city itself doesn't even mention... If you go on any of their city websites, tourist websites, nothing about the DeFeos, the Lutzes, nothing about that is mentioned anywhere in there. It's like the city just wants to act like none of that ever happened wipe it clean just wipe it completely clean so um yeah i i to this day believe that the house is haunted um lorraine even as early as a interview that i saw on youtube four years ago she said that that she described it as an absolutely terrible horrible place and she said it la it left a lasting effect on her and ed 
for years and years and years and years and years and years and years, and she would never step foot back in that house ever again. So that's my take on Amityville, guys. I hope that was enough information for you. Like I said, I'm sorry, guys. There really was not a lot of, there was so much limited information I could find. Um, but I did want to bring as much as I could to you, especially my take on the Lutzes, because I know that the Amityville Horror is such a popular book. It's been such a popular movie. There have been so many movies and spinoffs since. New one. There is a new movie that's going to be coming out. Um, is it this year? It's this year, I believe. Is it I Am- actually want to say it's soon. Like, is it really called the, soon. the Amityville Murders? I think so. It actually goes over the DeFeo murders instead of just talking about like someone moving into the house. It is and- called the Amityville Murders, yeah. guys. Um, yeah, this movie specifically centers around exactly what I was telling you guys, that Don and Ronald were both... Um, Ronald DeFeo was also known as Butch. I think in the previews they they call him Butch a lot because he was a junior, so he was called Butch a lot. Um, that Butch and Don, the, the the movie specifically centers around them mentioning leading up to the murders that they were both hearing voices and that they that there was um, something happening in that home and that Ronald was even telling Don that he was feeling compelled to hurt the family and she was trying to persuade him to get help and to not do it and to tell somebody and who knows why he didn't maybe he didn't think anybody would believe him you know he had a very rocky relationship with his father maybe if he maybe he thought if he tried to tell his dad that his dad would just dismiss it and say he was crazy or maybe that it was drugs or something of that nature so it's possible who knows excuse me you're fine guys you're fine remember guys we told you we told you this was going to be happening (coughs) please say a special little prayer for casper and the mucus demon all right sorry guys we had to pause for un momento uh i had to get a frog out of my (laughs) she had to hack up the mucus demon um we just exorcised the mucus demon yes okay so i want to give before diving into annabelle I want to kind of give a little bit of backstory I got on the on the Warrens. <laughs> like Becky said, there's just not much to go off of. So I actually took the liberty of listening to some interviews with Lorraine and Ed that are on YouTube. <clears throat> I know Becky did the same thing. Um, so in short, Ed and Lorraine Warren are known as the world's most renowned paranormal investigators. Lorraine is a very clifted clairvoyant and is the only ordained demonologist recognized by the Catholic Church. I'm sorry, non-ordained demonologist recognized by the Catholic Church. Lorraine <clears throat> said that she was nine years old when she started to see things around people. She said that they were like white lights. She actually thought that everyone saw that way, so she didn't even think anything of it. Later, she came to find out that they were actually spirits. <clears throat> she was super into her church and into her studies. She had no one in her interest in boys. She did not want to be with anybody. She was just very into her church. She was very into her schooling. This group of people at her church wanted her to meet somebody. And it was Ed Warren. <clears throat> and she said it was absolute fate for them to be together because... No one understood her until 
he came along. Um, the scene in The Conjuring 2 where the little girl's talking to Lorraine and says, like, when Lorraine says that she found somebody who understood her and she said, what did you do then? And she said, I married him. That's kind of actually the truth because she did not find anybody who really understood her until she met Ed. I love that part. I know, it's so cute. So cute. I'm like, oh my God. By the way, shout out to whoever casted Vera Farmiga and Patrick Wilson as Ed the Rain Warren because y'all knew what you were doing. You knew what you were doing. They are both, aren't, isn't Patrick Wilson married? Yes. They're both married, but I ship them, so. (laughs) Hashtag MILF and hashtag DILF. That's all I'm going to say about that. If you don't know what that is, look it up. Just look it up. Watch some American Pie. Just look it up. Okay, so, anyway, Lorraine felt that it was truly fate for them to be together because even when they were separated, there is actually a scene in the original Conjuring film where Lorraine sees a vision of her daughter in the water, and she's like, I know that's a warning, that's a bad sign. That actually came from a real-life experience between Ed and Lorraine Warren. Um, Ed saw a vision of Lorraine in a pond, and knew something was wrong while Lorraine was having an appendicitis and was actually dying. They said that she wouldn't make it. So that was actually taken from that real life experience, which I kind of thought that was kind of neat that they did that. Um, I thought that was really cool. Yeah. That's, that's really neat that that happened. They actually founded the new England society for psych psychic research, which is the oldest still to this day. Um, I found a lot of, um, my Amity research from not only the demonologist, but from that website as oh, well. Oh yeah. 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 I went on their website and Very found cool a lot website of too. information about their cases. It's really informative. I'm sorry guys. I'm out of breath. She's trying to breathe. I'm trying to it's breathe. Okay. Take your time. <clears throat> um, they have authored many books and they claim to have investigated over 10,000 cases. Amityville being one of the first... Movies have been made about their cases. There are plenty of skeptics, like we said before. This this is actually really cool. Me and Becky want to try to visit this place. They have a museum in Connecticut that have... Okay, so in The Conjuring, you know that room that they have there? Like, we have a priest come by and bless it once a month or once a week. I think he says something like that. <clears throat> Excuse I think it was me. once a week. I think it was once a week. Um, that room, that's... That room is actually real, but it's not a room. It's a museum. It started off that way, though. It did. It did. It, did. it was, it was, it his, was like Ed's it was office. Ed's office. Yeah. yeah. It was Ed's off office. the side of the house. Yeah. yeah. So, um, they actually... he mentioned, actually, I'm sorry, I just used to think it was cute in the demonologist. He mentioned how anytime he would be working, Lorraine could never fall asleep without him. So she would always, like, bring him coffee. So yeah. like, he knew if he would hear the door, like, chime he knew it was her. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh my God, you guys are just too cute. I can't stand it. Read <laughs> the demonologist. Yeah. you got, Read oh the demonologist. God. I read a so small good. portion of it and I cannot wait to read it all. It's just so amazing. Um, but yeah, so they turn it into a museum. They pretty much keep all of their stuff there that they have as far as like things that are from demonic cases, um, regular ghost cases. The Annabelle doll is there. Um, which... We will get into here momentarily. Totally <laughs> turned me off of Raggedy Ann dolls, guys. I'm sure it is a Raggedy Ann. It's, it's not a porcelain doll. doll. It's not the doll. Obviously, they couldn't get the rights for Raggedy Ann in the movies, and this the doll in the movies is a lot creepier. But 
guys, after I found, I knew about the Annabelle story. I had been waiting for them to make some type of movie about it for years because as soon as I found out about it, I was like, fuck Raggedy Ann dolls. I used to love Raggedy Ann Nandy back when I was a kid, y'all. I was all about the little cartoon and everything. But then I found out about Annabelle and I don't want a Raggedy Ann doll anywhere near me. No. That means no Raggedy Ann dolls for holiday ideas for Becky Gremlin, in case any of you were wondering. We'll be having none of that Don't shit. you even dare. <laughs> Not funny. By the way, this isn't one of those small Raggedy Ann's, too. This is one of those really big ones. Again, I'm going to post a picture of it. There's a picture yeah, like of Lorraine holding ones. it. It's it's huge. It's the size of a toddler. Like, it's a, it's a big doll. Um, before even going, scarier. I'm yes, sorry, it like is even scarier. scarier. We're yeah. talking about like life size. Yeah, I, I don't do <laughs> dolls either, guys. We'll, we'll probably talk about that at some point. Dolls are like a ooh, dolls. Dolls. Play a game. I could do that actually decently well with my low voice. No, would you thanks, like Jigsaw. I would not. Creepy on your little bike. I'm sorry. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> so before going into the story of Annabelle, I actually kind of want to go over a little bit. Of what Lorraine accounts um, before they would go into a demonic case. They would actually get things happening to them in their house before they even knew about the case. This this stuff happened. I'm just going to go over some stuff. Um, Lorraine said the telephone would ring in an odd way and then she'd answer it and she'd hear voices or whispering Sometimes growling and bizarre sound effects. Bitch, let me tell you something. If I hear a growl on the phone, I'm hanging up. I'm not going to stay on that phone and be like, hello. I'm going to be like, well, okay. Yeah, like, <laughs> bye-bye. <laughs> bye-bye. Um, also, later when she was actually on a case, she would hear the exact same sounds that she heard before. Um, sometimes they would hear somebody walking around on their porch at midnight. Of course, they would go outside. No one was there. Car, this one gets me. Car lights would appear in their driveway. Then they would hear footsteps approaching the door and a knock. Usually three. Very important. Three. Just like in The Conjuring. I know we bring up The Conjuring a lot, but there was a lot of that movie that was actually accurate. If you, if anything comes in threes, it is an, it is a mock to the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Nine times out of ten, it's demonic. It's demonic activity because the yeah. demon is mocking God. It's the same thing as if you get people. A lot of people will report scratches. If you're ever scratched in threes, um, again, that's a automatic sign of a demonic presence. So anytime the number three is 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 mocked in any way like that, that is a direct mock against God and the Holy Trinity. That is a direct sign of, of a demonic presence. So bringing us... I've to, experienced personal, so that's why I bring yeah, that up, we both, guys. We yeah, both so have. we both have. That's why I bring that up. Just, we're trying to not only give you guys insight to this, but we're also going to throw out little things here and there because, like I said, you may have experienced things like this or may experience it later and may not have any way of knowing what it is, but hopefully if you hear this, you'll go... Oh, maybe it's this. Uh, Makes sense. Yeah. And then you need to go to a church immediately. (laughs) And get a blessing. (laughs) So that brings me to this point, which 
I kind of wanted to bring up to you guys, too, just in case you were wondering, the difference between ghosts and demons. This is literally yeah. Ed Warren's words. I know I touched on it a little bit, but yeah, this is this is really interesting. This is Ed Warren's words, and let me tell you something, that man is, was, unfortunately, he has passed, but that man was brilliant. Um, so a ghost, in short, <clears throat> is a passive entity with limited powers and abilities. It can manifest at random, attempt to communicate, and dissipate from view. view. They rarely really do anything besides make themselves known. Ghosts usually just kind of want you to know they're there. Mm-hmm. That's, unless it's the residual haunting. No, a residual haunting is just kind of, um, <clears throat> excuse me, a residual haunting is when it's like, like, the, like basically the walls record an event. Or something that happened and the energy is so strong that it stays there and it just replays it. Um, that's why when you watch a lot of ghost shows or like hauntings or stuff like that and they hear a scream or they hear something that doesn't really go along with what they're doing, most of the time that's just a residual haunting. They're not actually interacting with the person. Um, yeah, it's just something about what had happened to them in that moment is embedded in that. In the place. Yeah, in that place. Which is why a lot of times residual hauntings are huge in asylums, um, old hospitals, and stuff like that, because there's just so much energy there. Tuberculosis sanitariums, or sanatoriums, rather. Waverly Hills Sanatorium, and, like, places like that. Now, a demon, just like Becky said earlier, is an inhuman spirit. Right. They will usually occur more in the absence of light. Yep. Things will happen after sunset and before sunrise. They're very black when visible to the human eye, very negative when they're around, and you very you will feel a very heavy feeling. Um, usually has a foul smell, like we had mentioned before. They do things in threes to mock the Trinity. Um, fun fact, and Lorraine Warren actually did not want to deal with demonic cases. They went into their work doing ghosts. And it led them into the demonic because there was a case that they went into. There were actually multiple cases that they went into where Ed was like, something is off. This is not, this isn't a ghost. This can't be a ghost. It's too intelligent. It's too, he just, he knew something more intelligent was at work. Something more sinister was at work. Um, so... bringing us into the Annabelle story. Now, you all know there's two movies out right now. Um, One's called Annabelle, one's called Annabelle Creation. Neither one are the true story. Excuse me. Um, So that's... I was was disappointed. I was very disappointed. I thought Annabelle Creation might be, but that was actually a dope movie anyway. It was pretty dope. Um, The original was not, but... (laughs) But the way the sequel tied into the original, we're not going to spoiler alert anything, but it's worth seeing both of them. Yeah, it is, absolutely. The whole Conjuring universe. Honestly, I think it'd be worth seeing. Would you say seeing the second one first and then seeing the first one second would probably be better to see it in that order? You won't have the reaction oh that's true that you would have if you don't see the first one that's first that's true okay listen to Casper on <laughs> guys see the first one watch the movies the in the order they came out do yeah. not watch them chronologically because you won't have the reactions at the end of the movie yeah, that you would it, have no you'll be like what yeah you have to it's it's better that way James Wan's what the fuck endings yeah. like all of these plethora of movies mm-hmm. 
what um, makes the man brilliant. Now, Annabelle 3 is coming out this year. At, um, Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga are in it. So we know the Warrens are in it. Here's my thing. Because the Warrens are in it, does that mean we're getting the real story? Fingers crossed for this one because this story is creepy. The real story is... Guys, I mean, that, this was another case that got me with the Warrens. This was an, just like the Amityville case. This was another case that I was introduced by the Warrens. And again, me with fucking dolls. Instantly, this case, I'm like, oh, great. A fucking doll. Fucking life-size Raggedy Ann doll. What the fuck? And that's why I was hoping, and this is why, fingers crossed, I'm hoping the new movie follows this. Because ever since I heard this story, I have been wanting and praying for a... Yes. A movie. Absolutely. So, we'll start from the beginning. Um, a priest called Ed Lorraine Warren to actually relay them a message from a minister. <clears throat> Two nurses had communicated with what they thought was actually a human spirit. They had been physically attacked, so Ed actually accepted it, thinking something evil was at work. Um, Ed Lorraine Warren went to visit Deidre. You got it. Okay. I apologize. <laughs> These, this we had name. to practice. Deidre Bernard, Cal Randall, and Laura Clifton. Now, Cal Randall and Laura Clifton were actually getting engaged. They were Deidre Bernard and Laura Clifton were roommates. Laura Clifton was engaged to Cal. So, when Ed Lorraine Warren would go into their cases, they would actually bring a tape to record the conversation. Just like in The Conjuring. So, Deidre starts talking about Annabelle being this raggedy Ann doll that moves around. Um, she, her mother actually bought her as a gift uh, for her <clears throat> last birthday. So, about one year ago when she got the doll, it started to move around the apartment by itself. It was never where she left it. She would go to work, leave it on the bed with the arms off to the sides and the legs straight out, just like you would leave a normal doll. She would come home and the arms would usually be folded in the lap and the legs crossed or the legs and arms would be moved in different ways. Mm-mm, that's a big hell to the no. Sophia would have gotten rid of that doll immediately. See, at first, though, with something that small, I would just think somebody was moving it. Mm-mm. Something that small. Mm. When it starts moving rooms, then I'm like, okay. All right. <laughs> All right maybe I jumped the gun a little bit. <laughs> so the doll did start moving to different rooms by itself. I was going to say, this, can, this, can you this, tell I don't like dolls? <laughs> this part is, freaks me the fuck out. They once found it kneeling. Okay. So let's let's talk about Raggedy Ann. Okay. She, I didn't literally, know this. I, this is the first time I'm hearing this, that it ever did this. It was kneeling. So Raggedy Ann dolls are floppy. They don't stand. You can't get them to stand by themselves. This motherfucker was kneeling okay. on its own. Okay. Can we get rid of the doll now? <laughs> now can we get rid of the doll? And when they would try to make it kneel on its own, it would not. Obviously. Get rid of the doll. And then it got it gets better. It started oh, leaving notes in the oh, handwriting God. of a child. So actually, the beginning of the Conjuring, the whole story about Annabelle at the beginning, that was kind of close to the real story. Um, excuse me. So the notes would say either "Help us" or "Help Cal." So they were like, "Who's us?" 
And why Cal? Like, why why is it specifically going after Cal? So, the notes were written in pencil and on parchment paper. Neither one of those things were in that apartment. No pencils, no parchment paper. Which made them like, what the hell? Where is it getting this stuff? Ed did actually mention a prankster. So, Deidre did actually say, yeah, we did think of that too. We did some little tests to decide if someone had been in the apartment. They would arrange the rugs in a certain way where they would be able to tell if an intruder had been there. Um, It was never a conclusion that a real person was coming into the apartment. Um, There was nothing ever moved, nothing ever different from how they would do it. The only thing that was moving was the doll. I would have almost much (sighs) rather had somebody breaking in. Oh, I, I, I'm a sudden yeah. doll moving by itself. I almost would have like wished it was just some creepo that just liked to play with dolls that was just like randomly moving it around my apartment. Like I would have much rather wished for that than. Please tell me that you're breaking into my apartment. I won't press charges. <laughs> tell me that it's you. Yeah, please tell me there's a real person in here, and not a demon possessing this fucking doll. So, just saying. so one night when. Deidre came home. The doll had blood on the back of its hand and three drops on its chest. Oh, I'm out. Three. Three, mind you. During Christmas time, they found a chocolate boot. And it said it was from Annabelle. None of them had bought it. Um, They didn't even know about Annabelle. Like, her name. They didn't know her name at this point. They just knew the doll was doing stuff. Oh, so that was actually when they first... See, now I'm learning all this new shit, too, guys. So that's actually when they first found this out is, about yeah. the Annabelle name. Okay. So, because they were like, what the hell is going on? So, literally at that point, the girls were like, alright, we're going to contact a medium. So they contacted a medium. Um, the medium said that a little girl died on the property. She was seven years old. Her name was Annabelle Higgins. No. I would just like to point out none of this that I'm saying right now is true. Um, this medium was played. Um, Annabelle shit. Annabelle said she played in the fields long before the apartments were even built. They were happy times for her. Everyone around the place she was at now was grown up. She had no one she could really relate to except those three people because they were younger. They were towards her age more. So that's why she started moving the doll around. She wanted to be loved. She asked if she could stay and move into the doll to be with him. So they said yes. Oh, God. Um, This was their mistake. Shit's about to get real, guys. (laughs) Um, Should have gotten rid of the fucking doll to begin with. So at this point, Ed is like, hold up. What now? (laughs) So he's like going back over everything. And he's like, so... They, the doll, Annabelle asked you to move into the doll. And they said yes. Um, so Deidre explained how from then on they actually referred to the doll as Annabelle. They never ever did see a ghost of a little girl though. They never saw a ghost of a child in the apartment. Which, actually, um, demons will appear as young children a lot. To throw you off to be enticing and to be, like, more inviting, I guess I should say. Exactly. Uh, especially little girls. 
Um, Usually if you see a little girl or hear the sound of a little girl, nine times out of ten, it's a demonic presence. Sometimes it is a little girl. Yeah. But it's a rarity. And usually that's in a case if it's been, which is really sad, if there's been a child murdered in that area. Again, like we mentioned, um, residual hauntings can also happen from traumatic events that happen in an area, almost as if the spirit of the person is stuck in there in that moment forever and always because of something traumatic that happened to them. So, you know, if there was a traumatic event with a child, that would be one thing. But if it's a place where there's really no reason whatsoever why you should be seeing a child or hearing a child, then you can almost count that that's a question it. Yeah, definitely question it. (laughs) Don't, don't just automatically definitely question it. Definitely for sure. Um, so the girls and Cal actually realized maybe they shouldn't have given so much attention to the doll. Yeah, think they thought it was probably just a harmless mascot. At this point, Cal Ed turns to Cal and he's like, "Hey, I want to hear what's going on with you. <laughs> what's what's your side of the story what here? What you got to say, Cal?" So from the beginning, Cal stated that he never liked the doll, and he said the doll never liked him. Think about what I just said. The doll didn't like him. A doll didn't like him. The doll was a feminist. No, I'm just kidding. I'm sorry. <laughs> the I'm doll sorry. was like, you're a man. I couldn't, I couldn't resist. Guys. You're, you're a man. man. <laughs> you have to go. Not all feminists are against men, by the way. That, that was just, a, that we was just, a joke. Yeah, that was a joke. So, <laughs> funny. Cal started having bad dreams. Um, this, okay, this dream that I'm about to explain that he had, if this is in a movie, I'm not gonna like that. Guys, this (laughs) fucked me up. Legit. So, in this dream, he saw himself wake up. So, here's the thing. I'm like, you saw yourself wake up, so was it actually a dream or were you awake? Or you were watching yourself being awake? Um, he said something seemed off. He looked down at his feet. Annabelle was staring at him. Mm-hmm. Then started gliding up his body, mm-hmm. moved over his chest and stopped. Opened its arms, one on one side of his neck and the other on the other side, and started being strangled. That's big hell no. He tried pushing the doll off, but it would not move. This... Okay, a fucking raggedy Ann is strangling you. Bitch, what the fuck? <laughs> Something's wrong. Something's wrong with Annabelle. Well, first of all, they don't actually have, like, hands. They're like little felt. They're like, they're little, like little mitts. They're yeah. like little, 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 we're like physically trying to, if you guys can see this right now, you'd be four, like, what Put your you four doing? fingers together. Make a Barbie hand. Like put you're your in four a mitten. fingers together. Like you've got yeah. mittens on. You know, like, you got a mitten on. That's basically what a Raggedy Ann doll hand looks like. So imagine that string. Like, why is that scary? I know some of you are probably thinking that's hilarious, but that legit freaks me the fuck out. Like, imagine a Raggedy Ann doll choking you. Okay. Yeah, no. No. Thanks. Done. Another instance, Cal and Lara were together alone in the apartment. Deidre was gone. They heard something in her room. So it was so loud, they thought someone actually broke in. So he, w- he they went to the door, waited till the noises stopped, 
Cal opened the door. No one was there, but the doll was thrown in a corner. He went over to check the doll, and then as he was bending down, he got the sense something was behind him. He turned around and then suddenly screamed and grabbed for his chest. He was doubled over, cut and bleeding. He ran out into the living room. They ripped his shirt off, and there was a claw mark on his chest. He had seven in total, three vertical and four horizontal. I think, it, quote me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure seven in the Bible is the number of perfection. Quote me if I'm wrong, I could be wrong. Um, but that would be a perfect jab at Jesus, because Jesus is perfect. So, um, I think Becky's going to look this up for us now, but I, if I remember correctly, I think that's what it is. Um, he explained that the cuts were like burns, they were hot, and they almost healed immediately. They were literally gone after two days. So, so if think about the fact that you're getting cut so deeply that you're bleeding, and then it's gone in two days. That's crazy to spiritual me. Spiritual perfection, yep. Yep, so seven is the number of spiritual perfection. What a jab is that at Jesus? So, that just actually just came to me. Oh, immediately. Yeah, definitely, um, for sure. So, the girls end up calling a priest after that, because clearly something is going on a little more sinister than a child. Yeah, anything that's going to make a mockery of God or anything holy is automatically, yeah. Um, so, yeah. he felt it was a spiritual matter, and he was going to contact someone farther up. His name was Father Everett. The girls wanted to get a new apartment, but Ed explained to them, since they invited the spirit in, it's more attached to them and not the place. Ed called Father Everett to perform a blessing and an exorcism on the premises. He explained, there is no Annabelle and there never was. It was a trick and the spirit had intent to get your attention. <clears throat> Demonics are in human spirits. They're usually brought into your life somehow. And because you were paying so much attention to it, you were making its presence known. The medium was used as communication, not knowingly, by the demon, and it was feeding you false information about Annabelle. Thus, you gave it permission to move into the doll, and that was the final mistake. The doll isn't actually possessed, because demons possess people, but it's it was given the illusion to be possessed to get closer to you. The spirit attacked Cal because he never believed in its charade. So, Father Everett arrived... And it is Episcopal blessing in each room of the apartment. Um, <clears throat> so he blessed the house, and the father actually blessed the child, the kids as well. Um, he declared everything was okay, and it was confirmed by Lorraine, who actually felt the presence earlier. So Lorraine, at that point, after all the blessing was was like, "Hey, I feel like this is everything's okay." So and Lorraine was getting ready to leave with, and they were taking the doll with them as an extra precaution. So they put Annabelle oh, in the back now seat. Now they get rid of the fucking doll. Yeah. Now, now, now the doll is gone. <laughs> Finally. So they put Annabelle in the back seat. And Ed was like, you know what? Maybe I shouldn't travel the interstate. Just in case the demon is still attached to the doll. And Ed was very smart not to do that. Um, each dangerous curve on the road, the car would stall. Power steering would be cut off. Brakes would fail. The car verged on collision multiple times. Um, after the third time of the car stalling, Ed took out holy water and sprinkled it on the doll, making a cross sign over it, finally allowing them to get home safely. Um, 
So after when the doll first got to their place, it levitated for a few days. Okay. So you walk into your office, get ready to do some work. Guys, there are just so many no's with this <laughs> fucking doll. And this doll's no, just no, in the air. No, no, no. Just, just in the air. A thousand times. No. No. And then, in the next few weeks, it starts showing up in various places of the house. It was doing the exact same thing. Oh my god, I would burn (laughs) this fucking doll. (laughs) Well, it's kind of like what they said in The Conjuring. It's true. Sometimes it's better to keep the genie in the bottle. Yeah, that is true. Then I think about that. You're going to burn the fucking thing, and then God only knows what you're going to Where the hell is going to go? My god, that is true. Annabelle seemed to have a quote-unquote friend. A black cat would materialize around the doll. Look around what was in Ed's office and then dematerialize from the head down. No. No! Oh my god, no. Ed eventually told Father Daniel about the case. Father Daniel picked up the doll and said, You're just a ragdoll, Annabelle. You can't hurt anything. Do not test this doll. I'm telling you right now. So... He left, had an accident on his way home, was almost killed because his brake system failed. Which brings me to the weirdness of what I've been experiencing. I've well, been there having was another case too, actually, that involved not a car but a motorcycle. And I, I've heard, I've heard that it was either a news reporter, reporter or radio reporter, one of the two of that nature. But it was a reporter that came in to do a story about Annabelle. He tempted Annabelle, either saying that he didn't believe or something to this that This was nature. actually at the museum. This was too. at the actual yeah. museum. So this is now, you know, now um, Annabelle is behind glass. She's in a box. And uh, this was at the museum that he was interviewing about the museum and tempted, you know, Annabelle, whatever he said to the nature of either I don't believe in you or whatever. He was killed. He was killed. He was killed on his way home in a motorcycle accident. In a motorcycle accident, yeah. Don't so. test that doll. No. Lorraine actually asked him to leave, too. Yeah. When he did that. Yeah, because she's... Lorraine knows not to do that. Yeah. And so, that's what happened. So that's... I wanted to mention that to lead into your story, because that's yes. exactly what Annabelle does. She fucks with... Cars. Cars. Motor vehicles, specifically. Like, that's, um, her, that's her thing. And all of you who know me are probably already giggling to yourself because like, oh you know God. where I'm going with this. Here we go. So, for the last year... I mean, my car is getting old, too. I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh my God, it was all Annabelle's fault. No. This brand new car <laughs> just went to shit because of Annabelle. Um, my car's been having a lot of trouble in the last year, but last Wednesday... I got a call, no, I'm sorry, last Wednesday we announced that we were doing the podcast on the Warrens. The next day, on Thursday, excuse me, I got a call from my car that basically my car's fixes were going to be just about what it's worth. My car was fucked, pretty much. I had to buy a new car last Thursday. That was Lorraine's birthday. 
I bought a new car on Lorraine's birthday. Which well, there I'm you saying, go. Like, <laughs> and there you go. Friends. There was the final connecting factor that got the circle closed. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> See how it all comes comes back around? It's like Full six circle. degrees of Kevin Bacon. It just all comes <laughs> back around at some point. Six just, degrees of the Warrens. Just keeps coming back around. It's just very odd to me that that. All of these things happened. This oh my past god! Week. My dream, you waking up at three thirty, the car shit. It's like, guys, we legit did a cleansing before we did this we did. podcast. We knew that. Well, we had talked about it before. We had mentioned that if we were going to be doing a podcast about the Warrens and even subsequent, you know, guys, we're going to be doing other paranormal stories in the future. We're definitely going to be touching more on. Um, Spirits, ghosts, demonic possessions, personal stories, um, our own personal stories, your own personal stories. Like, we're going to talk more about this, and each and every time we're going to do a cleansing. Um, I'm a Gnostic witch. I'm an eclectic. I uh, am very much into um, energies and spirits and invocations and and anytime I'm speaking on anything, especially in what we've been speaking on specifically with demonic possession and that Ed and Lorraine took on demonic possession, we're, we're going to do some type of, you know, we're not calling on anything, but we're going to making sure that if anything is out there and listening, we ain't calling you, but you know, we don't want you here. And we are definitely going to make sure you have no place here whatsoever. So, so before yeah. we close on the Warrens, I, I want to leave you with this thought from Ed himself. I love this thought, and it's actually at the end of The Conjuring. Um, Diabolical forces are formidable. These forces are eternal, and they exist today. The fairy tale is true. The devil exists, God exists, and for us as people, our very destiny hinges upon which one you elect to follow. I love that. Truer words. Absolutely love that. So, we hope you enjoyed this little synopsis on... Two of their bigger stories that they had. I mean, there's, you can, they have books out there. You can, you can get books on some of their lesser known stories. I have one called Satan's Harvest. Um, I gave uh, Becky one that's called behind the, you. Haunted. the Haunting. Uh, it's actually about a, um, The Haunted. Sorry, guys, not Haunting, The Haunted. Um, it's actually about the Smurl family. Um, so it's, it's almost similar to the Perones in a way of a family that was attacked, um, by a, uh, paranormal entity in their home and they called in the Warrens to investigate. And, uh, there's a lot of substantiated evidence to this case. Um, so yeah, guys, you the know, demonologist though, if there's any, it's book, really an important book to find. You need that book is so educational and it's so good. The whole Annabelle story that I literally just told you is in that. Um, it's 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 just such a great read, and I learned a lot. Um, I do have to say, though, I was actually a little uncomfortable reading some of it. Some of it is very terrifying. Vera Farmiga literally has a quote on the back of it that she said she used most of that book for her um, research when she was portraying Lorraine Warren, and she said that book absolutely terrified her. her. So it is a fantastic read. I definitely recommend it. Um, so I wanted to bring this up as far as 
ghost stories and demonic stories, we have decided that we are going to dedicate our last podcast episode this month to ghost stories and demonic stories of your own. We're going to share ours. I'm going to post a email up for you to send an email to us so we can read your story. It can be paranormal. It can be demonic. Whatever you want. Just say like. Do you want to say what the email address is now? Yeah. I'm, if I can remember what it is. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> sorry, well, sorry. We're going to post it. But I just thought like should we, should um, we say it? But I'm pretty sure. I'm 99.9% sure that it's D F W T O. 8493 at gmail.com. Yeah. Is that right? Or was it 8811? 8811 is the Twitter. Okay. So then you are correct. Okay. Okay. Um, So we will post. Sorry, guys. I look, that's more on Casper's end and Casper got, we got like half the mucus demon out, but we're still seeing the residuals. So we will definitely post the exact email address we will definitely put that out there but um we just thought this was a really exciting idea especially doing a story about the warrens we really want to go more in depth about um our own experiences but we really want to hear experiences that you guys have had i mean this goes back to what we said uh i think a lot of people would be more prone to believe in what the warrens have to say if they themselves have had their own experiences and i'm sure there's so many of you out there that have and we would really really like to hear them um you know, we may even decide to do more of these in the future, depending on how they work out. Yeah. Do like listener stories, you know, maybe every other month or something, just put the email out there and have you guys write in. And if you've got some crazy, freaky, whacked out stories you want us to share, we'll we'll throw your name out there and read your yep. story. And if you have more than one, share them. Just yeah. write write me a book for all I care. We don't care. Um, also make sure, please, somewhere in there in the email, tell us that you're giving us permission yes. to use your story and your name. Um, you have to legally, <laughs> we can't specify enough, I'm sure some of you get this, but for us to legally be able to mention anything without anybody coming back and like trying to start some shit, not saying everybody would do that, but some people would be prone to, um, we need you to physically say like, yes, you can say my name and yes, you can use my story. Or if you don't want to just say, Hey, this is my name. This is my story. Please keep it anonymous. We'll keep it anonymous. Right. Or yeah, we will totally do that too. If you don't want us to say anything, we won't. If you just wanted to share it to get it out there, we get it. But if you do personally want us to share it on the podcast, uh, please just, put a little thing in there like, yep, say my name and yep, use my story and then boom, go and go into your thing and we will do it. Uh, we are so excited to do this episode. We really are. This is going to be an we're interesting should it, should one. We're going to share our own experiences, which we're excited to do that. Um, but I can't, I, I cannot wait to read what you guys have as far as experience. So once again, uh, the Twitter, I'll go over every handle. Uh, you can even Facebook message me on the page. Um, it's don't fuck with the original. Like us on Facebook. Send me a message. Um, the Twitter feed, the Twitter handle is don't fuck with the original D F W T O eighty eight eleven. And then the email again. And then the email uh, is D F W T O eighty four ninety three at gmail dot com. Right. Reach me on any of those. I will again. I will post it to make it easier. Um, 
I will also be posting picture the picture from the Amityville house, and I will be posting a picture of Lorraine Warren holding Annabelle, just, just so you can see how big this doll is. Yeah, um, we'll even do a uh, picture. We'll do, I think there's a picture out there, a comparison shot of uh, John Matthew DeFeo, yes, and the uh, little boy in the picture, so you can actually see that you know without a doubt this was John Matthew in this picture for sure. And last but not least, next week is Valentine's Day. So we are going to be doing our first podcast on movie reviews. Yay! We're going to be doing old and new, our original remake, My Bloody Valentine, and a movie called Valentine. Which is, uh... Listen, I liked it. (laughs) I liked it. Guys. Guys. She she didn't see it when it originally came out, all right? I just like, saw it last week. I was in high school when it came out. Gonna totally age myself, but uh, it was like, what? Uh, but My Bloody Valentine, I absolutely loved. I love the original. Um, Casper has not seen the original yet, but you did see the remake. And the remake was originally in 3D, but uh, we loved it just the same. It's on Netflix in case you guys wanted to check it out. Uh, and what what's his name? I never watched Jensen Supernatural. Ackles. Yeah, thank you. I never watched Supernatural. God, Dean. don't come after me. Dean. But um, Jensen Eccles is in it. And oh my God, I love him. And he's, he's great. So uh, yeah, we are so excited. We just thought that would be such a neat. We, we know there's, there's, why aren't there more, like, Valentine horror movies? I don't understand. Shout out to Happy Death Day, people, who's yeah. putting out Happy Death Day 2 yep. next Let's week. Let's see Happy Death Day 2 come out. We want to, everybody go see that for Valentine's Day. Jessica so, Roth becoming a new final girl. <laughs> yes, so excited. So, yeah, we're excited to bring that to you guys. We cannot wait to do more movie review uh episodes too there will be more of those to come but we just thought this was a good genre since this will be the day before the official valentine's day and you know you gotta have some horror with the love halloween all year you have to why aren't there more horror okay can we get somebody on more horror valentine movies i'm legit can we get somebody on more horror holiday movies that aren't christmas yeah, we've had enough Christmas. We've had ones. enough Christmas. We're, we're we have good. a couple Thanksgivings, but we've I'm gonna need some Christmas. more. We, we're done. The with purge, Christmas. I guess, could technically be a Fourth of July, but eh, eh. eh. Shout out Frank Grillo, though. <laughs> I love me some Frank Grillo. You can keep them purge movies going as long as Frank Grillo's in them. I'll just shout out Frank Grillo. Not that he <laughs> would like ever listen to this, but I just really love Frank Grillo. I'm just saying. So, yeah. All right, so anyway, I think that wraps guys, everything up. We hope you guys love this episode. Like yes. we said, we know we couldn't find a whole lot of information about the Warrens, but um, we just hope this entices you to go out there and get their books and find your own research and pull up their YouTube videos and read The Demonologist and get their other books and do your own research about them and learn more about them. And, and please, if you've never seen any of the movies, watch them. The Conjuring's amazing it's actually um, my fo- my actual hands down favorite horror movie in the world. It is holds the a special Conjuring. place in my heart. Uh, it was the very last movie I ever saw with my mom before she died. My mom, I know, I if you guys have been listening since episode numero uno, uh, my mom started my love of horror, and uh, for her birthday, 
she wanted to see The Conjuring. She wanted to see a horror movie. I was like, are you sure, Mom? I had actually already seen it, and it really freaked me the fuck out. So I was like trying to act like I was all cool. Like, are you sure you want to see it, Mom? And she's like, yeah, let's go see it. And uh, she absolutely loved it. She absolutely, hands down, loved everything about it. And I, I hate that she hasn't... I hate that she had to die before the rest of the movies came out because my mom just would have been a total fan of the sequel of the Annabelle. My mom loved the Annabelle story. Like, uh, no, she would have loved. She would have loved it. She she'd have loved it. But uh, she's up there with Ed, hanging out. She'll, she can just ask Ed. She can just <laughs> ask Ed, right? Mom's, <laughs> mom's got like the interview on lock right now. Like, what? <laughs> talking about like hashtag jealous of mom right now mom's got it hashtag jealous of mom right now totally jelly of mom hashtags getting it with ed warren hashtag the total dish yes that's the tea yes (laughs) mom's got all the tea up there way better podcast than what we got so just all right guys well we will see you next week same time wednesday night because Wednesdays are for podcast. All right, guys. Peace out. See ya.